Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my talk about Titan skating changes that came to Destiny 2. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. Just look me up, say no to rage. If I'm not live, throw me a follow so you can catch these streams. And if you're watching on YouTube, a little like, click, and share is an easy way to help the content get seen by other people if you are enjoying it. Basically what I said was this change isn't going to affect anybody really. Folks were worried about Titan skating not being allowed anymore. It really is only affecting people on PC who are using scroll wheel and a macro or just scroll wheel. Uh, I did say that I thought Bungie should have been a little bit clearer that using a scroll wheel bind wasn't that wasn't really a problem. It was the speeds they were hitting and they should have been very, I think, hard and clear on the fact that using a macro is a form of cheating. You're using external software for an in-game advantage, but they called it unconventional inputs. I felt like that soft pedaling was stupid and they should have been a little bit harder and clearer on if you were using scroll wheel, that wasn't really the issue. It was the speeds that people were hitting. And if you're using a macro in addition to scroll wheel, that's a form of cheating that I think they should have been clear on. So... Let me jump in to the first question. Anna Ray Senpai. Thoughts on lightweight bows since the draw time buff to specific strings. I feel that they are useless because the draw time is capped to 600 when it could theoretically go to 560. Precision bows are only... 40 draw times slower and they have significantly better accuracy damage and perks like dragonfly i tell you what you're wandering into an area where i'm not as informed i like bows but i haven't used them enough to say yay nay no like i don't know what you're saying to me sounds like an imbalance between the archetypes and if that's true then that would need addressed i i think but i think bows are in a great place but if you feel the draw time is sort of being inconsistently buffed or or not buffable enough with the right perks or strings on a certain archetype, then that's something they could definitely look at. I don't know if that's a front burner issue right now. I think there's a lot there's a lot more going on in the game that needs needs attention. But I will say this right now. Bows feel pretty bland, as someone in chat is saying, they need more perks. Bows just feel kind of bland. Like, they're not bad, but they're also not that exciting either. I, I, I don't know. It, with, the, with the way they shoot, and it's, they're, like they're kind of like a scout, I do feel like they could do more to make bows appealing, other than just being a scout replacer. Uh, they, they could do more with you know, effects, chain lightning, things like that, just to make bows a little bit more exciting. Because at the moment, I feel like when I'm using a bow, I'm just using sort of a, the best version of a scout, because scouts are kind of terrible as it is anyway, and scouts don't have the agility. So you get the single target damage and the accuracy on a bow, but you also get the agility. They're not terrible at close range with hip fire. They're also not terrible at medium range with just the draw time, and they don't aim in that far. So I, I think bows are in a good spot, sort of mechanically speaking, but there could be more done to their 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 perks to make them a whole lot more enjoyable. And as you're saying, like if there's a draw time issue between the archetypes, then they would want to look at that to make sure there's not like a contradiction there, there's a lot of things in the game right now that we've had this issue before. The fast fire rate hand cannons in D1, nobody used them. Uh, you know, there they, they were certain archetypes in D1 that just never got touched because they just didn't have any legs. So, Azuma with 14 months, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Uh, JD Gamer says, 
do you believe with the way Worldline Zero works on PC and how it's harder on console, this makes speedruns almost impossible on console? I'm not a part of the speedrun crowd, but I think, don't they typically have uh, records per platform? I just uh, skated into his shield and died. They, they, I'm pretty sure they have records per platform, so I think what you're saying is maybe a bit of a misrepresentation of what's going on. Now, you're saying it's 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 impossible I, why? I mean, I don't know if, if that's if that's like the meta for speedrunning and you can't do it on, you know, console, then I'm sure there would be a console meta that that would emerge to a certain degree, I would think, that would allow you to hit, you know, good speeds and then it would be standardized between all people on console since if you all have access to the exact same thing. I, I, again, I'm not in the speedrunning crew or, or crowd, but I'm fairly certain the records are per platform because there's always been different advantages to having, you know, mouse, keyboard versus controller. I'm being told in chat they do have a specific platform leaderboards. So this question is kind of irrelevant, um, or or at the very least, it's just misinformed about how speedrunning works. There is a, I'm sure there is a console speedrunning meta. And more than likely, their their times are going to be a little bit slower than PC times if there are items like the World Line Zero. I don't know, but I'm being, you know, sort of hinted at this. This question's hinting at the fact that there are there are better speeds achieved by, you know, PC users. So, Wolfhouse says, do you think movement speed would be a non-issue if it wasn't for PvP balance needs? Well, I mean, probably, yeah. I mean, obviously, the last question kind of gets at an issue where with speed running, but that's not the core of the game. Like, if the speed running crowd discovers that certain things are stronger than others, then obviously, you know, that's something within their their experiences, speed runners. But like, the the difference between somebody running a hunter or running a Titan in PvP generally only matters as long as those those differences are they're tied to the identity like a titan's like a strong st- strong-headed like charge in there and get and get it done and then hunters are more pristine they're more precise they have dodges they have like a springy you know vertical jump and you know titans don't and i think that that is that is intentional as far as standardizing speed though I don't think that's a huge problem because I don't think you have, I don't think you have a a standardized speed anyway. I mean, you can move so much faster on a forward momentum line with with a with a titan compared to the the hunter, but then the hunter has things he can do that titans can't. So it's like, I again it's not a one-to-one like oh if you can move faster you're automatically better as you're hinting at that's generally only a problem in pvp that's not a problem that is that is in pve just because you can run farther and and faster in pve doesn't mean you're going to have an advantage unless you're speed running and even then there could be benefits in speed running to having some of the supers or some of the grenades i don't know i'm not a speed runner there could be things within, you know, speedrunning times that, like, no, we're gonna need a, t- a hunter for that section. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're gonna need a hunter for that section. Why? I mean, the tether makes all the difference in the world. There could be things like that that come into play, too. So PvP is always gonna be the cause of those woes. 
pog me titan skating isn't being removed they are making it less intense correct why does it need to be changed destiny one and three had it all the, those years well i mean that titan skating is not in the game as it was traditionally conceived of in or, or discovered in d1 because in d1 you were more like a skipping stone and in this you're propelling yourself forward and because you're propelling yourself forward, it is, as they said, it's adding to your overall momentum, but it's not its not a perpetual, ever-increasing speed situation. In D1, you got faster and faster and faster. As long as you had a wide-open space, you know, like a football field, you could just go faster and faster and faster and faster, and eventually you'd, like, hit a wall and die because you're just going so fast. It's like when you skate right now with a relic on a warlock. You can go so fast, you hit a wall, and it actually kills you. It's falling damage. Your your character is traveling at such a at such a rapid speed. So there's not the Titan skating in Destiny Two is just different. And I was glad I discussed it with the stream this morning because I was somewhat ill informed. I thought after the Go Fast update, skating uh, skating kind of returned. Well, it kind of didn't because there there there's a there's a there's a max speed that you can hit, and that just wasn't true in Destiny 1. In Destiny 1, again, the, the picture I want to use is you were like a skipping stone on the water that if executed properly, as long as the landscape was flat, you could go faster and faster and faster. I think height increases in D1 helped too, because you were just hitting the ground faster. You could almost spam the jumps more mindlessly uh, on an incline. Sir Smelliot, in terms of comparing Anthem uh, of Destiny, what are the biggest pros and cons for both games? I haven't had a final purchase decision. I'd like to hear your opinion on the outlook. Well, I mean, as far as loot motivation goes, the loot motivation is just structured differently in Anthem. Anthem is more of a spiral staircase where you're, the loop will become established and then you're running that loop and the difficulty's going up and then your experience changes in line with that. Now, we're going to do a talk specific to Anthem's endgame today, so I'm not going to get into everything, but I mean, there's the three levels of Grandmaster. That's part of the grind in Anthem. That's part of the endgame. There's also contracts, legendary contracts, strongholds, challenges, and then there's the cataclysms. All those things are a part of your endgame. And the difference between Anthem and Destiny is that in Destiny, when you get to when you get to the end game in Destiny, the loop gets very, very small. You run the forge, you run the nightfalls, you run the raid, you run pieces of PvP, and that's it. 80% of the 80% of the of the game doesn't matter to you anymore. Adventures, lost sectors, strikes, daily story missions, even nightfalls stop mattering unless you're unless you're chasing a specific role on a gun, right? So, when you consider that, Anthem, you're kind of bringing the endgame with you with the difficulty. So, if you if your buddies aren't around and you can't run a stronghold, if you're at Grandmaster 2, you can throw it on Grandmaster 2, go into the public space, go do contracts, go do whatever. In Destiny, if your buddies aren't around to either grind a Nightfall, because there's no matchmaking, you, you know, you can't grind the Nightfall, you know, you can do it by yourself, it's going to go a whole lot slower. If your buddies aren't around to run a raid, right then those things are out for you you can't do those things and you can't have like an end game experience in a strike in a public space in story missions in adventures in lost sectors even 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 the 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 events the public events none of those things are going to be end game for you right 
And the reason that that's to me is a, is a, is a good difference to point out is I think Bungie can learn from this idea that you bring the game with you. You bring the game with you. If you're bringing, if you're constantly bringing the game with you, uh, somebody needs to control Z because you just cleared the you just you just cleared the whole freaking thing there. All right, just chill. Somebody just went way. I don't even know where we are. Um, and now I have to redo the changes there. <sighs> um, the, the nature of it, we're not going to be able to show the questions. Um, we're not gonna be able to show the questions because apparently the, the, the form got messed up by that person's name. Um, there we go. That fixed it ban that person permanently um and I'm gonna do this uh so we can get through the question so we're gonna have to figure out how to prevent that from happening alright ask banner is back um at the very least we know how to fix it quickly you just ban the question so um where were we uh, da, 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 da. here we go. This is where we were, Sir Smelliot. The the na- the na- so the nature of the end game is just different. You're bringing the end game with you, and like I was saying, I think Destiny can learn from that. I think Destiny can learn from that, and that's a very important thing. Um, because if they bring more of the game, if they bring more of the game forward, and they bring more of the game to make it relevant, that's a really really good thing. Who's getting banned? Doesn't matter to you, dude. We don't answer to you. So stop stop pestering chat about who got banned. Like, drop it. Snavaret, with the state of the current power fantasy and recent buffs to supers, i.e. Nova Bomb, Celestial Nighthawk, uh, nearly one-shotting bosses, do you think Bungie is preparing to make changes to the overall difficulty of the game and potentially adding difficulty levels? It seems weird for them to double down on Nighthawk buffs but then nerf things like EP Shoddy and Shards. Well, and here's the thing, like EP Shoddy, EP the thing with EP Shoddy to remember is that you know, EP Shoddy's now like where it's supposed to function. It's supposed to be a mid-tier weapon, not a boss DPS weapon. It was functioning like it was essentially functioning as if it were a it was functioning as if it were a, a an exotic heavy weapon, right? And when that happens, um, and when that happens, we're just gonna have to ban questions like that if they come in. I don't want to. I don't like having that set because then that means people that are new to the channel can't submit questions. So the, you know, and now, and if you think about shards too, shards is now properly relegated. Not properly relegated. Shards is now relegated to a d- use it on the boss sort of thing, like not use it on trash ads. And then you get a bunch of your super back. So it's possible they're testing things. I don't know. It's possible they're testing things. It's possible they're saying that, hey, you know, as long as as long as we can, as long as we can keep increasing power on this end of the spectrum, then we can we can allow some of the the difficulty spectrums to land. Like taking certain activities way up in difficulty will be justified now because you can you can do so much power. Right, that's been one of the things we've said is like we can do so much power right now. There's not a lot of reasons to do set bonuses. There's not a lot of reason to do um, a lot of the things that get suggested a lot of the time because what what pain point are you meeting? 
what piece of the content are you trying to play right now and you're like man oh man I really need the ability to get a set bonus on my gear I really need to get a this or that or this or that blah 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 whatever the case may be it's not meeting a pain point now if they bring if they bring end game levels of difficulty to more pieces of the content and then you need those set bonuses you need to min max you need your celestial and some of your other just broken amounts of dps i would say they need more variety you don't to an extent i think it's okay but it's also kind of like not okay that if they build everything around some of the like not broken but some of the massive amounts of dps right now i would grow concerned that you would have to run celestial now, somebody might push back and say, we don't have to. That's just going to be the best build. I would hope they'd have a lot more diversity of ways of buffing your damage on your your supers and your power weapons and stuff. Um, as opposed to it just being centered around the ones we have now. Uh, Air Mikey says, how could you keep scroll wheel, remove macro, and balance PC versus console on a Titan? Well, I mean, you couldn't. You, you're never going to balance PC versus console. I mean, the balancing between PC versus console, if they ever did crossplay, is the fact that it's largely still a console game, and the aim assist is very strong on controller to the point that, like, high-level players can play with a controller on PC and do just fine. Like, just watch Ogre 2 play. He, he Tom did totally fine. He didn't need to play mouse and keyboard. He wasn't at this enormous disadvantage. Now, obviously... He's, a, he's one of the best players of these types of games in the world, so using him isn't the best example, but using him shows that it's there are pieces of it that keep the, le- the playing field somewhat level. Um, you also have to consider the fact that you are also going to be able, if you ever did cross-play, you could avoid cross-play simply by never playing with somebody on the opposite platform. I think people really get cross-play confused. They're like, oh, well, if I suddenly have to play PC players, that's going to be terrible. If they did it the way they do in Fortnite, where if you load up PC and you play PC, you're only playing against PC. If you load up on your PlayStation 4 and you only play with your PlayStation 4 buddies, you're only going to be playing in those 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 lobbies. But if you joined up with me and I'm playing PC, you're going to be going into lobbies against PC players. You don't go into blended matchmaking unless you voluntarily do it. And that's where a lot of people get confused. Now, as far as scroll wheel, um, thank you, uh, Mr. Thorne, for, uh, I think that's probably a resub. As far as scroll wheel is concerned, they couldn't leave scroll wheel binding in the game because scroll wheel binding was actually breaking the max speed of the player and creating unnatural movement speeds. Macros were cheating. The scroll wheel wasn't cheating, but it was like, yeah, you're not really supposed to be able to scroll or, or sorry, move that fast. So you wouldn't be able to balance that either. It had to be addressed. Sir Smelliot. Uh, would you say the world launch is fair in PvP because you're using power ammo? I play on console, but the question applies to all platforms. I don't know what you mean by world launch. Uh, Anna, Anna Ray Senpai. If the new Titan skating is possible by doing a skillful combination of jump inputs rather than spamming inputs that require high frame rates, does that mean Titan skating should work on console? Now, when they said they're going to make it to where... It'll be possible to skillfully time lift activation to boost overall momentum. I don't know if that means they're bringing skating back or if they're saying, don't worry, you'll still be able to time your jumps. And if you can time your jumps, then timing those jumps will lead to you 
it, it says increasing your overall momentum. Again, I don't know if that's saying that they're bringing back skating or if they're just saying you can still use your jumps to go faster, but it isn't going to work the way that it was. I don't think they're reverting to D1 skating. I think they're just sort of saying, don't worry, you'll still be able to get some momentum boost from well-timed jumps. I think it's more that, like, don't, you know, don't worry, you know. Tesseract plus Supercast? You're speaking gibberish, bro. You're this close, man. You're this close to just getting bopped right out of here. I feel like you're trying to short... I feel like you're trying to hijack Q&A with questions that you know don't make any sense or don't apply to this game. Um, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I don't know. I feel like you're being intentionally confusing and disruptive, personally. It's it's just a weird instinct that I'm getting. Pog me. I think people will just find another way to skate just as fast. Uh, The PC Destiny community hates and loves skating. Once it's gone, people will complain. What do you think? Um, I, I don't know. Um... I think that if they if they're limiting how much lift can move you forward, then it's not going to be doable anymore. Tesseract is a world line zero perk. So when he says world launch, he's talking about the world line zero. So he's talking about using the world line. Is it fair in PvP because you're using power ammo? I play on console, but the question applies to all platforms. Again, man, if you're going to ask questions like that, you can't assume I know what the frick you mean by world launch and a very specific thing that you can do with world line zero. You're asking if it's fair. I, if they're having to use power ammo to do it, do you know how many people are going to pick up power ammo and do that? You can use a special attack and pop super at the same time to get momentum. I just don't think that's an issue, man, at all. I don't think that's a problem. Um, and I don't think people are going to find another way to skate. Far Cry says, has Titan Skating been nerfed yet? I address this in the talk. Uh, Vladimir 2K, why do you think Bungie nerfs contain exotics but then brings out something that is worse? Wormhus gets nerfed, then One-Eyed Mask comes out. Um, I don't actually know if this is something that, th- that is accidental or if there's a certain level of let people have strong stuff and then we'll see what the reaction is. It's not like they did the nerf to worm husk and they're like I mean it's not like they're doing the thing to worm husk knowing that that one-eyed's coming out and one-eyed's going to be terrible. I think sometimes they're just like let's see what the community reaction is. But I do think what you're saying is fair. It's like well you nerfed worm husk but then you come out with one-eyed mask. One-eyed mask is arguably worse, right? So what's the issue here? You nerf you nerf shards of Galanor, but Skull of the Dire Ahamkara is still stupidly strong and you can have an eternal titan slamming super with the bottom tree, no exotic needed. I, it, this is why nerfing is a bad move. Because you just play nerf, you're just playing nerfing whack-a-mole. It's like, we'll nerf this and we'll nerf this and then other things are left completely unaddressed. So, the, the frustration with the community is then completely understandable and justifiable because you're basically just sort of it, it feels all it just feels reactionary right and I, I don't know if they launch things with the intention to nerf them there was a mobile game called Marvel Puzzle Quest and they did that on purpose they would launch characters that were really difficult to earn naturally and they'd be overpowered so you would be losing to that character 
anytime you face another player, anytime you played like a PvP match in Marvel Puzzle Quest, and then that would motivate people to spend real money to get that character leveled up at an unnatural speed because they got tired of losing to it. So it's pay to win. Well, once they got their saturation sales for that that character, what, like clockwork, like a month later, they'd say, oh, sorry, we launched the Hulk and he's too strong. Well, of course you say that now. You got everybody to buy him and level him up and level up all of his abilities and you made a bunch of money from an overpowered character. Of course, now he's overpowered. You hit your, you hit your saturation of sales. Okay, that was frustrating because that was essentially a pay-to-win and that was a way to squeeze microtransactions out of people. They would always launch a new character. They launched Deadpool and they did the exact same thing. They made Deadpool stronger than every other character. Everybody was excited. Everybody buys him, levels him up, uses him to win matches. You feel like you can't win without him. You feel like you have to pay. Once once he hits saturation in the community and a bunch of people have him, then they nerf him. They made money from him being overpowered. Do they? Do you think? Do I think Bungie does that with exotics? Here's Wormhusk. Here's One-Eyed Mask. And deep down, they know. Well, yeah, we're gonna have to nerf this down the line. This is stupid. This is broken. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I think sometimes they launch things and they have zero clue that it's gonna become a problem. I don't think they knew. I don't think they knew Shards of Galanor was gonna be a problem. To be honest, I don't. I don't think they knew Shards of Galanor was gonna become the problem that it became, because. Shards was designed for like what when we saw shards and we saw the definition of it and we tr- started trying to use it, it just felt like a PVE super. But then it became clear that you could use it in PvP and get a, all it takes was like a double kill and you got like a really really good chunk of your super back and you could kind of chain it. And if your teammates are doing it too and everybody's dropping orbs, it became a nightmare. Now, I don't think Shards was as bad as everybody made it out to be, but it definitely, in the right hands and in the right context, was very, very frustrating for folks to deal with, and it needed addressed. And then they break its its PvE solvency. Smelly Turtle, thank you so much for the brand new sub, or a resub, I can't tell which it is. Um... So sometimes I think it's accidental. I don't think it's sinister. I don't think they, they I don't think they make things strong with the plan to nerf them. I also think that they changed their they changed their strategy and their tune on a dime. First it was this stuff's gonna be broken, oh my gosh. It's gonna be fun. We're not gonna nerf this, we're not gonna nerf that. You know, we're not gonna nerf Graviton Lance. Remember when they said that? We're not gonna nerf Graviton Lance and Vigilance Wing, we're gonna introduce other things that are strong. I want that bungee back in the chair because whoever's in the chair now is anything strong is just getting is just getting hurt, you know, and that's just frustrating. Rexus uh, says, "What do you think about the hunter in general feeling as the slowest class? I mean, titans have the tanky, warlocks regenerate fast, hunters can move faster while ADSing. I still love my hunter, and she will always be my main. I just feel like a little useless when it comes to movement. I need stompies to reach heights." The other classes can get without any exotics. It's not extremely bad. It's a little annoying and weird to me. Um, try and try and keep your question shorter. I mean, this is just basically a paragraph of your opinion. I I, I think sharing your opinion is fine and asking for my opinion is fine. But like, it, it, this isn't exactly a question. I I think hunters have their identity. Hunters have a tether. Hunters have blade barrage. Hunters have. Um, you know the arc the the raiden flux i think they have their identity in being they're agile but they don't have forward momentum i think sometimes you have to ask the question 
of is is the like what is the speed i think people were getting confused about this in um anthem people were getting confused about this in anthem they were like i am i am really really slow as the as the colossus right they thought they were super super slow as the colossus and they didn't like it the colossus's speed essentially matched the other class's speeds but he didn't have the lateral agility he can't dodge to like the sides okay and so a lot of folks were like, oh, he's so slow, he's so slow. His actual forward momentum speed is the exact same. In a similar vein, I think the agility of the hunter, the dodging of the hunter is in a great spot. Why? I mean, why am I getting this much heavy? This game's ammo economy is all over the dadgum place. If I could get, if I could get heavy this consistently, um, that'd be really nice. <laughs> uh, it's all over the floor. All day today it's been like this. So I don't think you can say the hunter is is the quote unquote slowest class. He can leave a lane faster than any other class with dodge or shade step. Um, his ability to pop over, um, you know, and take a peek over this box, right? I can't. I, if I do that as a as a warlock, I'm hanging in the air for a significant more amount of time. Uh, there's just I don't know. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things about hunters that have agility that the other classes don't, you know. Think about how I can guard a door as a hunter. You guys have seen people do it. You get on the door and you hop with the hunter and you hang out above the door and wait for somebody to run underneath. Well, I mean, that's not something you can do with the other classes as well as you can with a hunter. And I think that is a, uh, that's a benefit. I think there are things that hunters can do that are a trade-off same way with the Colossus in Anthem has trade-offs for not having the lateral agility, but having forward momentum and really, really strong attacks and a giant shield and, you know, a, a really healthy health bar. Do you think armor should buff weapon damage? Do you think weapons uh, should aid armor? See, these are questions that I think would be better suited if they go to a min-maxing style endgame. Um... Because if they don't go to a min-maxing style endgame, then this is thematically out of sync with the game. Okay? So when you think about Destiny and you think about what's needed, the amount of times you need to min-max and like, oh, I need my armor to benefit my guns and I need this to benefit this. How often is that really happening? How often are you saying that and feeling that pain point? If they had those layers of difficulty similar to what Anthem is doing, then I think that would be a more common phrase. That would be a more common need. There would be this sense of, I need to increase XYZ. I need to go with this build in this environment, and here's why. And I think that I think that is an important that is an important distinction to make. A lot of times folks start setting their sights on, well, if we could have this, this, and this, if we could have set bonuses, and if we could have this, blah, 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 blah. And they think that would make the game so much better. You need a container for that. Why am I min-maxing my build? Why am I going with a set bonus? Why am I going with with this gun buffing this armor or this armor buffing this gun? Why am I doing that? Where, other than the only thing that would happen right now, the only thing that would happen right now if they started buffing your max efficiency with set bonuses or armor pieces and things like that, it would just increase some of the speed running 
oh, we can kill this boss that much faster now because when we do this, this, and this, our maximum damage output has been raised by X number of, of this. Outside of that, nobody's going to say, oh, I'm so glad that they did this and this and this and this. Min-maxing, Jake, is when you... Okay, the most basic understanding of min-maxing is if you've played any traditional RPGs and you have stamina, health, and strength, okay? And they say, if you invest points in strength, you're taking away points from stamina. So think of a barbarian. You have all strength and low stamina. You have min stamina and you've maxed his strength you have min maxed to make him a very if you take a gladiator or like a or like a barbarian character and you go straight across the middle stamina health and strength he's going to be a more like just mid tier at you know build but if you min max him for a, a ton of damage then you're going to run out of stamina you're going to have to play him in a certain way you're going to look for gear that is in line with his min max build of more strength less stamina you could build him to be a tank well i want him to be able to live forever so you max out his health and you make his strength decent and his stamina lower well now he's a tank he can just take tons of damage so when i say min maxing that's the same idea if you're going to be min minimizing and maximizing different stats on your guardian why are you doing that right there ha- there has to be a content piece or a context in which that makes sense that you need that. This is why I think Division and Anthem are getting the end game right and Destiny hasn't quite gotten there yet. I'm not even a Division or Anthem fanboy. I'm looking forward to those games and I like those games. I also think both of those games have potential pitfalls and potential things about them that are going to make them either frustrating or less enjoyable in the end game. They're going to have other things that have to be spoken to. But I think Destiny's struggle is that you get into the end game and high level gear, strong gear, and a lot of the content just becomes irrelevant and doesn't matter. And I think that's an important distinction to make. Okay, in De- in Destiny 3, I think one of the things this game has needed for a long time now is difficulty tiers. If I could raise the difficulty of the Forge to 650 or the Public Space to 650 or the Strikes to 650, and there's a tangible reason for me to do that, whether there's bounties, increased exotic drop rates, whatever, that you can only do these things at max difficulty, or when you do these things at max difficulty, you have an increased drop rate of whatever it is you're chasing, that's a context in which you might feel the need to min-max and chase set bonuses and armor buffing your weapons and weapons buffing your armor. Scrub Lord, if Bungie is making Destiny 3 in the Unreal Engine and consoles are able to run the game at 60 FPS on the next-gen consoles, will movement-related bugs become harder to address on all consoles, or will this fix it as a non-issue in the future? I mean, they could always cap the frame rate, and then they can work within that cap. It's not... I don't necessarily think it's always like, oh, you're getting movement bugs and exploits because you can hit 60. Generally speaking, the the skating the skating problem wasn't it was related. I think FPS is part of it, but I think the main driver behind people being able to macro skate was doing something that you can't do on console, which is program something that can do inputs at an unnaturally fast rate and then they do a macro to do it perfectly you know scrolling the wheel to jump you can do that faster than smashing the button over and over and over and over and over again and so the inputs come in at a rate that the game isn't really written for right 
higher higher FPS allowed the game to register the extra inputs. Right. So I guess even if you could get a macro controller and try and mimic what people were doing, the lower the 30 frames per second on console would have limited that and kept you from being able to do that. So if you can get to 60, sure things might come into play, but again they fixed it they standardized it it's not like all of a sudden oh no destiny 3 is running at 60 we're gonna have a bunch of you know movement exploits and problems in the game there are plenty of games that run at 60 on console that don't do that they don't have like movement movement problems t-funk i've been playing other games and i've seen how perks help with efficiency do you think bungie could do uh, crit modifier rather than just damage increases. Yeah, see, I like this because if you put a crit multiplier on a, an auto rifle and, you know, it was more significant and it felt more influential than Rampage as long as you were landing crits, you just made auto rifles more viable because you can get, you know, I can sit here and as long as I'm aiming on head on their head, their TTK is really, really high. I agree with you. I think that I think that crit multipliers would get problematic on things like hand cannons because hand cannons are already at what I would consider to be the ceiling of primary weapon efficiency. You know, you're one tap in pretty much most red bars and you know most mid tiers. Do you really need you know a crit multiplier? So maybe limit it to maybe limit it to the the right weapons where we feel like the benefit would be in relation to you got to use the auto rifle well and then if you do with the crit multiplier it makes it end game it makes it an end game viable weapon smelly turtle what's the best forge in the game do you think uh and do you think they'll keep them permanently they're definitely not going away i happen to like this first one the most just because i think it's the easiest um the Burguzia is not too bad if everybody hangs out in the one spot and you can use the, oops, um, and if you use the, uh, the Risk Runner. So Burguzia can be pretty fun with Risk Runner, and I know other people liked Gofanon with the Risk Runner. I think my least favorite is the one where you were able to, you had to like have somebody up in the middle. I don't know. I always found that one to be particularly annoying just because the team was, you know, split up and I felt like you were getting kind of slammed from all angles a lot of the time. And it, it just, I don't know. That one felt a bit like more like a meat grinder. Berguzia is kind of a meat grinder, but the, 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 the nice thing about Berguzia is that in Berguzia, the risk runner and some other builds can be really, really fun, but it does feel a little meat grindy at times uh, in Berguzia. I said Berguzzi a lot. Jacob Geico, do you feel class movement should be changed at all? Hunters feel slow. I already addressed this in another question. I think hunters are like the Colossus in that they 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 lack something. In Anthem, the, the, the Colossus has the same forward momentum as the other javelins, same, same forward speed, but he lacks the lateral agility of like dodging. And then I think when you go to... Uh, when you go to the hunter same thing he has the he actually has the lateral and the vertical agility but the hunter lacks forward momentum so he's like the inverse of the he's kind of like the inverse of a colossus smelly turtle which forge is your favorite already answered that uh if they're going to create skillful skating processes for titans then shouldn't the other classes have a similar mechanic for parity well, it just depends, like, okay, so a titan can be strong-headed and just run at people, right? That comes with benefits as well as bad things. 
I mean, are, are, are we going to act like that's all it takes to, to have an advantage in PvP? All you need to do is run forward? I mean, there's something to be said about the lateral agility of a hunter with dodging. Um, there's something to be said about the lateral the lateral benefits of, of the dodging, the vertical benefits of springing up into the air. Um, there are there are things that the hunter can do that give him tactical benefits that the the Titan doesn't have. So fast forward momentum doesn't translate into a universal benefit that is always that is always helpful. What else was Garrison for? Right, I mean if they bring back Garrison, then you have a bit of a problem. Because the garrison gives you that 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 lateral agility. Now again, there's a bit of a trade-off, right? You have to be in the air to get the lateral agility. A hunter can literally just be sitting there shooting down the lane and dodge out of it. That lateral agility is 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 actually really huge in gunfights. Um, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think we're I don't think we're representing the strength of the hunter very well when we act like well he's slow so he needs help. I, I just I think that's an oversimplification of where the hunter lands in the game's in the game's power structure with respect to movement advantages. I think he's got some things in his toolbox that are extremely helpful. Um, especially in a shooter. So many maps are lane and choke point dominated. That lateral movement is enormously helpful is enormously helpful. I think maybe you need to spend some time watching high-level players and see them use hunters, because I believe they're actually very strong in PvP. Um, RCA Gandhi says, I'm a hand cannon fan, and I hear you talk quite a bit about the a Nightfall hand cannon. Could you give a brief overview of why you like it? So, I believe that the Warden's Law is one of the best guns in the game, uh, and there's a couple of reasons for that. There's only two primary weapons in the game that can get Feeding Frenzy. Feeding Frenzy is fantastic on a 110 hand cannon. So 110 hand cannons hit really, really hard, and as long as you're landing headshots with Outlaw, they reload nice and fast. Unfortunately, if you miss with your Outlaw, the reload on a 110 is painful. So, with Feeding Frenzy and Rampage, and Rampage spec, you basically have the strongest archetype of a hand cannon always buffed. This gun, when you're using it with Feeding Frenzy Rampage, is always buffed. It always has its reload buffed, it always has its damage buffed, and I think that is incredibly strong as a weapon. Now, people can use the Midnight Coup and be like, look how fast it is, look at the great aim assist, look at all the headshots, and that's true. I believe a Warden's used properly matches the efficiency matches the efficiency of a Midnight Coup. Now, when you use a Midnight Coup, you might say, but I'm shooting faster, Lono. I'm killing people faster than you. True, and I'm going for a bit more of a wide net. I can spam a little bit more, not be so choosy with my shots, because once Rampage spec is, is, is rolling, I can literally just, I can be bodying all the trash ads that you're getting headshots on, and we're operating at the same efficiency. We're killing the ads just as fast. We're just doing it differently. I'm one-tapping everything, because I've got Rampage 3, and I'm reloading fast to maintain Rampage 3. And then when 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 you're getting all your headshots and getting all those one taps with your Rampage, you're you're operating in the same sort of I think in the same range of efficiency as a warden's. The other thing to consider is you can't get Rampage spec on your on your midnight coup. So that's another thing that helps, I think, the Wardens be a really, really strong weapon. 
I think the, the the goal with primary weapons should be just match the ceiling of efficiency of top tier weapons. The breakneck, the breakneck, a really good blast furnace, a really good go figure, a midnight coup, a really good warden's law. I believe they all operate within the same parameters. You know, within the same parameters of efficiency. Now, obviously, in the hands of the right player, Midnight Coup is probably going to be near the top because it's so fast and the aim assist is so high. But if you're operating within that spectrum of efficiency where you don't feel, oh, I'm significantly weaker. Like, go from using your Midnight Coup, your Wardens, your your uh, your really good Blasphemous, go from that to using, like, a Scout. And you'll see what I mean about dramatic efficiency shifts in how fast you can kill red bars. So that's why I like the Warden's Law because I believe it, I think it looks cool, right? I think it look. I think it reminds me of the, if you get the last, uh, if you get the last word with its ornament, it just looks like this gigantic cannon in your hand. It also looks like a gigantic, a, a gigantic hand, like just cannon in the preview. Like that is a monster. It is humongous, and I—that's one of the things I like about a wardens too. Just like from an appearance standpoint, I think it's a really good-looking gun. It's just, it's just beefy. In, in comparison to, I, I think the Midnight Coup is ugly. I wish it looked cooler, and I wish shaders applied to it better. I've never liked the way the Midnight Coup looks. Uh, L the Frank. Do you think Bungie doesn't put enough time towards playtesting? I think their playtesting isn't the issue. I think in general, I think their issue is they have a game with Runaway... What's it called? It's like, I forget an old man talking about this once. He talked about like why old men get nose hairs and ear and hair in their ears. It's like, I think he called it like something like runaway testosterone. Your body doesn't know where to send the testosterone anymore. (laughs) So I think in a similar vein, this game has a lot of unchecked ear hairs and nose hairs because they throw so much in the game and they give so much to us. It's like runaway power. It's like, did they know going into Gambit's design philosophy and all the time they put in the Gambit? Do you think the Gambit team knew that Queen Breakers was going to be a problem? Maybe not. It's runaway power. It's way over here on the fringes. It might not even been on their radar. And so, do they quote unquote play test enough? Is such it's like a generic way of asking the question. I don't know. Did they test it with the Queen Breakers? Did they feel like it was going to be God tier and just ignore it? Or did they say, well, we're testing it within the framework of when the game's going to launch. Did, here's the other question. Here's the other question. Within the framework of Bungie's launch team and project management and like team leads, did they even know that Queen Breaker was going to land in the game? When they were designing Gambit, let's say, apparently they were designing Gambit for a really long time. When they initially conceived of Gambit and they did ground foundational work to Gambit and they came up with the whole concept, invading, wall hacks, a primeval, moats, they set up the whole game. And then the game's up and running and they're tweaking it, tweaking it, tweaking it, tweaking it. And now Gambit is built. You can't change that. You can't change the foundational nature of Gambit. And here comes the here comes the weapons team, or the exotic team, or the sandbox team, or whoever the frickin' says we want to bring back the Queen Breaker. 
Oh, cool. Once you have a design, let us see it. How do we not know that the Gambit team was like, are you guys freaking kidding me? You just made a gun that's going to single-handedly ruin the game mode. We've been working on this game mode for how many months? Like, it's almost like... It's it's almost like it comes in behind everything they built and it undercuts it. Because if you take if you take Queen Breakers and, and Sleeper out of the equation, people would just go and pivot towards what? Um, I guess Crooked Fangs, right? Well, is Crooked Fang is Crooked Fang that broken? I mean, Crooked Fang is good, but I don't think Crooked Fang is grabbing heads the way that freaking the Queen Breaker is. I, Queen Breaker, I didn't even I don't even need to aim it. I feel like at least with the crooked fang I feel like you have to at least aim at their head now again wall hacks could be tweaked around if if queen breakers and sleeper didn't come back then I, then they could have said okay well everybody's using crooked fang everybody's using crooked fang what are we going to do that's why I feel like some of it's on them and some of it's on the fact of when did they decide to bring back these weapons who knows when they initially conceived of Gambit and built Gambit? We don't know when this was, right? Did did linear fusions even exist other than Sleeper? I don't know. There's almost no linear fusions in the game. They they honestly are a strange weapon type, right? They're a very very strange weapon type because there's like four of them, and one of them is attached to a faction. Like, have you ever gone into collections and just kind of scratched your head at linear fusions? I'm sorry, there's five of them. No, there's four, because Crooked Fang's in here twice. Yeah, I was right. There's four, and one of them is attached to Dead Orbit. I I don't know. Maybe those got added after the fact. Again, the Gambit team could have conceived of Gambit in a meta and in in a world where there weren't all these... Think about, okay, if you just take linear fusions out of the game for just a moment, what's the problem with Gambit? Well, they could tweak the boss fight to make it last longer. They could tweak how often you can invade during the boss fights, but invasion would be a challenge. You would do exactly what they showcased in in the trailers for Gambit. You would probably go over and you would use a super, or you would try and snipe, or you would try and use like a, a seeking rocket or something, and then it would be a whole lot more in balance maybe. Because if you invade with a Seeking Rocket or like, I guess people would probably have invaded with Thunderlord or Play of the Game is what people would have get gravitated toward. But with Thunderlord, it's not that difficult to not enter the lane. And if you enter the lane, you can get out of it before they kill you. I mean, if their aim is pristine, you're going to die pretty fast. But like, that's the problem with the linear fusions is you enter the lane, you're like, oh, I see, I'm dead. Right? Oh, he's over there. Let me, I'm dead. You just, as soon as you peek out. So, I... I don't know. As far as as far as do they play test enough? As I just outlined all these different factors into what would what would contribute to something getting overlooked? It's not as simple as Bungie just play test more. Ah, frick! It was like when the guy told me to DPS harder. It's that that's that's not that that wasn't a solution at the time. That's why we make that joke in chat. You know, we're we're mocking the memory of the of the stupid backseat gaming that took place that day. You know, just just play test more, Bungie. I mean, they, I think they do play test. I think a lot of the times too, play testing is designed to debug and not always you know sniff out imbalanced weapons. So sometimes things get overlooked, or as I said, they come after the fact. 
we can't retool all of Gambit Invasion and Wall Hacks now. You guys are bringing back Queen Breakers. Like we 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 already had all these things established. We, you know, this is how Invasion was going to work. We have it established of like how long you can see, how far, like how much of an overshield. All this has already been built. We can't completely retool it. And think about it. Whenever they decide to give you a certain amount of overshield and a certain amount of wall hacks, months of testing probably went into that. So it's based off of it's based off of months of testing that is in their mind quote unquote balanced. But when you as soon as you as soon as you bring in like a queen breakers, it changes the entire nature of the flow of combat and that's and that's part of the problem. If one weapon can change that much, it, it's difficult, I think, for them to say, well, if we legislate everything around Queen Breakers, this is, the, this is the exact thing we've talked about before, where if you have too much freedom, then they have to really, really limit you, and then that actually limits freedom. If they completely retooled Invasion to be centered around Queen Breakers, Sleeper, and Crooked Fang, well, then guess what? You're basically telling people, yeah, well, we've built all of... All of Invasion has been built and structured around... Uh, these uh, these weapons. So if you don't use these weapons, you're going to be an even more of an advantage. If you wanted to use a rocket launcher, if you want to use, sometimes people invade with just a pulse, and they they try to you know there are some people that have gone just absolutely off on us by using uh, just a pulse, and they come over with rampage and they put us in the dirt. Um, but if they if they legislate and they make rules that are essentially designed around those those linear fusion style weapons or I don't even know how you how would you legislate to, to, to Thunderlord but if they do that then you're basically passively telling everybody you have to go with that or you're not going to be able to do anything because we've restructured all of invasion to be centered around the assumption that you're using those weapons so uh, Deeds do you think there could be exotic or legendary armor with perk synergy uh, like how they made some weapons like Sturm Drang. I think Destiny needs more of these gear combos um, with an exotic supporting legendary. I've outlined this idea before. Like if you use like a linear fusion and Telesto, it would be really cool if Telesto got some sort of a PVE benefit, like a pretty big damage buff. And then you would then get... Um, you would then have a reason to run like linear fusions along with Telestos. And then you could, you could not again, you'd have to be careful. These perks would have to be only in PVE. Cause if you put these benefits in PVP or break back to square one, where people would be running around with Telesto and it'd be really frustrating. Um, a lot of this, I think a lot of the balancing and changes and things they need to do would be made even harder if they add that level of depth even though admittedly I want I would love to have that level of depth of this exotic when paired with this legendary gets a benefit here's the benefits that you get um you know that side over there is so good for skull but like these guys literally are just hanging out over here with me so I'm not getting good multi kills to feed my super skull is really strong if you can hit like four or five guys but I'm having to get just three or so shortchanging my uh, my efficiency. This side's perfect for skull, but we're we're kind of stacking up, so it's hard to do it. If you could bring one thing from D1 to D2, what would it be? The raids. Uh, taboo, lave. I'm somewhat new to Destiny. Could you define what curated and pinnacle means? Well, I mean, curated roles are supposed to be pinnacle. Now, Bungie calls pinnacle gear 
stuff like the breakneck stuff like the lunas how and the loaded question where the 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 role on the gun is set um the role on the gun is set and you can't change it it's kind of like an exotic it just has like a set thing like right across uh the way and when when you do that you're you're getting what is it is basically a curated role, but curated roles are a little bit different. It's a set role, and you can't change the role, but but the thing to remember with a curated role is a curated role can also drop random. So it's a little confusing. Pinnacle, pinnacle guns are essentially curated roles that have been... Um, that have been put in the game without random roles attached to it. I happen to think they should combine the two. I think every time they introduce an intentional grind for a weapon, there should be a pinnacle curated role. I think the blast furnace pulse rifle would have been the best place to start with this. They could have said there's a curated blast furnace that comes with desperado. I think they could have I think they could have easily done that and it would have been freaking awesome. It would have been very exciting. Uh, it would have been it would have been something to set that weapon apart. I think they should have done the same thing with all of the forge weapons. That if you get the curated version to drop, it's got perks on it that you can't get anywhere else, and that ma- and that sets the weapon apart. That makes the weapon, you know, really strong and really exciting um, to get. Again, this is my personal preference, but I feel like the loot pursuit of a specific role. If there are random, if there are, you know, there are random roles in there and there are pinnacle roles to be obtained in there as well. I think that's like the best marriage of two systems. Azergos, thank you so much for 23 months. Uh, Jacob says, why do you think all this talk about making destiny better has come to light after Anthem or Division? Why try to evolve destiny and lose the identity of the game? If people don't like the overarching idea, shouldn't they just play a game that matches what they want? Well, to an extent, you're right and you're wrong. I think you're right in that you don't want to just start, like, borrowing ideas from other games and shoving them in Destiny. Oh, well, Anthem is all about abilities. We should get our abilities all the time and use our guns way less in Destiny. Well, no. I mean, the identity of Destiny is that it's a shooter, and it being a shooter is part of its appeal. Like, the shooting mechanics are are, are so satisfying. But difficulty spectrum in Anthem and in Diablo and in Division seen as quality points for an extended endgame and saying Bungie should adapt that idea or adopt that idea. I'm going to say adapt. Why? Well, because they're going to they're going to they would put it in their game as they're going to put it in their game within the framework and the identity of Destiny. So I think you're right and you're wrong. I think we can learn from other games. I think we can look at what Anthem is doing, Division, Diablo, any game with the loot pursuit, any game with a content loop is something that we can learn from. Like, let's say, for example, the the Monster Hunter uh, content loop. Well, you can buy... Uh, you can buy gear I'm sorry, you can invest in gear in, in Monster Hunter World in a way that you can't in Destiny. What if in Destiny you could say, okay, I want to increase the... I want to... This is a great idea. The perk pool on guns being shallow, what if you could influence that? Right? So, you have zero desire to use scouts. 
but what if scouts had some like three or four new perks that were really strong and really worth pursuing but they weren't just suddenly in the pool what if you had to go to the gunsmith and start using scouts and doing bounties and do like a weapon specialization study where your your perk pool for scouts starts to expand so when you're chasing a god roll scout there's a version that now you can get that other people can't get in relation to your investment time like you do in in and again that's taking kind of an idea from monster hunter world and adapting it to the world of destiny you invest in certain armor and certain weapons in monster hunter and then that gives more perks more strength and more efficiency on like your bone armor or your boat your your weapon or whatever because you're investing in it and then so but not everybody gets that they have to do the exact same thing you're doing in monster hunter investing in those investing in those pathways do you see what I'm doing? I'm taking something that's in Monster Hunter World. I'm not just shoving it in Destiny. I'm saying, man, Destiny could learn from that. That's a really, really good idea. Investing in the actual archetype so that you get an expanded perk pool. That extends the grind a little bit because you're like, look, if you want these new perks, if there's some new perk they throw on pulses or auto rifles and you want that to be in your perk pool, you got to go do weapon mastery with the gunsmith and then it opens up the perk pool for you. And then maybe that opens up the bounties. What if think of how interrelated the systems could become what if you go to zavala and zavala has bounties for when you're once you're at max level so let's just imagine when penumbra lands the new max power is 750 and you scroll over here to his 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 menu and there's there's bounties here there's like let's say there's three bounties there's an armor bounty a weapon bounty and then like a cosmetic bounty let's just say there's three and you can't get them until you're 750 and if it's a certain weapon you can't get it until you have mastery level of five or whatever with the gunsmith so let's say there's a there's a new scout that comes to the vanguard and we know the pinnacle version of the scout is god tier it's really really good it combines like a dragonfly rampage auto reloader perk that's just stupid awesome and you're like it's totally worth using a scout if you can get it with the pinnacle roll but when you go to get that bounty from zavala he's like not only do you need to be 750 but because this rewards a scout with this new perk pool you got to go get scout scout weapon mastery from the gunsmith of a level five so you're like okay i'm setting my sights on that and you go and you grind and you get weapon mastery with the gunsmith and then you come and you get the thing what you're doing is you're teaching the player that number one there's things for you once you hit end game you can't do these things until you're 750 and you're educating them on the fact that there are new perks there are expanded perk pools that are stronger and if you want those things you got to you got to open them up by grinding the mastery of of the of the gunsmith that's how you make max level matter cuz like max level doesn't really matter you hit max level and you're like sweet i'm at the last delta so when i run what your raid it doesn't matter in the forge once you're at what 621 i don't think the forge delta matters to you at 620 at six 
I think it was 621, right? So 650 just doesn't matter. It would matter if it opened up all these new pursuits to you. If every NPC suddenly had bounties for weapons, what if the old-fashioned that I've been wanting, I want I want to go to Devrim K, and he's got bounties that rotate, and he's got a bounty for the old-fashioned, and I'm like, I want to grind for that this week just like with Ada. I can keep getting that bounty, and I can keep getting drops. But I can't get that bounty from Devrim K until I'm 750, and I need to get hand cannon proficiency with the gunsmith level 5. You've just staggered grind, you've just created carrot that justifies the journey, you've tied everything together with a nice bow. The whole game suddenly matters to me. The public space of the EDZ matters. The bounties that the, the, the gunsmith has matters. Maybe it's sending me to different places. If the Vanguard has things that I feel like chasing, you make those bounties, you tie them to strikes, daily missions, and nightfalls. You make every pocket of the game matter with this bounty system from Ada if you put it everywhere else. And if you want to really extend the grind and really make it matter, you don't just, oh, the perk pools are bigger now. You have the power to expand the perk pool. Go do weapon mastery with the gun smith i mean you should work for bungie to be honest i mean it's easy i think to iterate on ideas when there's really really good framework i just hope bungie continues to do that you have to understand something you have to understand something i am taking an idea that they put in the game i didn't put ada's bounties in the game bungie did okay they put it in the game and i'm iterating on the idea I'm iterating on the idea. I'm saying this is this is a really really great thing. This is a, something that this is something that is gonna that is gonna you know add some add some value uh, to the game. And I think I think that's an important thing to do. And I think that adds value. I think it adds life. But that came from them. That came from Bungie. Bungie put eight of bounties in the game, not me. And that's something to to to, to point out is that. You may, you may think like, oh, YouTubers and Reddit and Twitter and all these places are full of ideas that are better than what Bungie comes out with, but you always kind of have to fall back and realize these ideas, right? These ideas are iterating. They're iterating on existing things that Bungie's put in the game. An NPC on every planet, great idea. I iterate on that idea. And I think this is where the community needs to take maybe a little, a little bit of a less critical, you know, approach. Jacob, thank you for the brand new sub. A little bit of a less critical, a little less critical take on things. It's, I think I sit in a, a, a very privileged position because I can sit here and just rattle off idea after idea after idea. And it's all built upon top of structures and systems that they've put into place so uh bc wookie says do you think it would be enough to change wall hacks and gambit to be like radar you lose it when you ads and it comes back slowly there's a lot of things they could do with wall hacks i like your idea on the ground level because let's imagine i'm playing gambit right now okay let's imagine i'm playing gambit right now these guys right down here, I would know they are there, okay? And then I would ADS and I would aim in and I would suddenly lose wall hacks. So I would have to rely on like my own reflexes in order to shoot them when they step out. I wouldn't know, oh, they're about to step out. I can see them moving. I think your idea is actually a pretty good one. But again, the problems in Gambit are far reaching and I think wall hacks is one piece of the puzzle. I still truly think the way you fix invasion in Gambit 
one randomize where you come in at it's too easy to prevent people on certain maps you just stare at the invasion point with a with with a queen breaker okay you just stare at it and you hit them as soon as they come in number two uh it should be based off of relics you invade with a melee relic an explosive relic or a sniping relic and they tweak those relics accordingly each relic has a certain amount of overshield and a certain amount of wall hacks in relation to what you think is necessary the melee relic should have wall hacks all the time and quite a bit more overshield the explosive relic should have a reasonable amount of overshield and wall hack because it's explosive travel time of whatever you're shooting blah 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 the sniping relic should probably have about the amount of overshield we have now but it should have a diminished and more challenging wall hack system that then if 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 one became either almost impossible to use or way too easy they could tweak the relics and leave our precious weapons alone and each relic would then be balanced and then you could use those relics according to your own preference i love the melee relic it's this giant it's this double sword and you get close and you can swing and get a multi kill if you get good at closing gaps and get close enough to to players that are stacked up a smart team could prevent you from doing that right also, they need to consider, like, can you get some of the moats back? If somebody has a good invasion, that shouldn't be, you know, rest in peppers for your team. If they get a good invasion and they kill two people and they each have five moats, that's ten moats. Why can't we pick up a percentage of those moats within a certain amount of time? Get us some of those moats back so we can kind of keep going and maybe recover. There's almost no recovery from a very good invasion. Almost none. And there could be things they could do to minimize some of that. And have a little bit more of a back and forth. Invasion during the primeval. It, it, it happens way too often. And the primeval is too easily killed. There's just. It's like an onion man. There are layers to the problems in Gambit. That need addressed. If you watch Dado's State of Gambit video. He touches on so much of this. How it the, the, the path to success is narrow. And you do the same thing every game. Because there just really isn't any back and forth. And he says that Gambit was at its best when people were playing with curated loadouts at the events. But that doesn't mean we want curated loadouts. What it means is you've got to you've got to curate something. And I think you curate invasion with relics. Rusty022. Did you watch a video about endgame post 650? How do you feel about optional harder difficulties? Uh, something more difficult, uh, different for players to play? I mean, I, I touched on this already on my own. I didn't watch Dado's video, but I said after playing Anthem, he probably did the same thing, right? He played Anthem and he probably came up with this. <clears throat> it's clear that Bungie's, Bungie's philosophy of endgame needs a, an injection of relevancy, and it's that when I look at this map, so much of it doesn't matter in the endgame. I mean, a ton of it just doesn't matter. Unless it's a flashpoint, all those planets don't matter, okay? The milestones don't matter. Um, the bounties don't matter. The Tangled Shore doesn't matter. Gambit doesn't matter, right? So once you hit max level, that's where the game needs to turn. A switch needs to go off. All of a sudden, your map looks different. There's loot pursuits. There's bounties. There's different things going on with all the NPCs. So the whole map matters to you. And raising the difficulty everywhere, I think, is a great way of adding to that as well. Oh, you want to do Devrim K's bounty for the old-fashioned? Well, guess what? The Grinding for the bounty goes twice as fast if you set the world difficulty of the EDZ to 650. Right? Lost sectors are quite a bit harder. Adventures, public events are all quite a bit harder if everything's at 650. 
it's it's there, there is so much difficulty spectrum adds so much value it would have helped with the launching of the forges if forges could be launched at 600 625 and 650 the launch of black army would have been a thousand times smoother because people that were below 600 or close to 600 would have been able to try it out and then they could have leveled up leveling needs streamlined as well all these ideas everything that myself or data or anybody talks about like end game doesn't matter or max level everything you know nothing really matters well that's true and that's all well and good but if streamlining leveling isn't happening then it's kind of a moot point because you still have too many people sitting in low levels days k do you think the lore or the story in season of the drifter will live up to the hype i i don't i don't want to speculate i don't know what would i base that speculation off of um uh next question the guy xverge do you think a d1 raid being available in d2 as an event should work and would it be like example one week each month we get a d1 raid to enjoy i think the rotation of raids at eight during age of triumph is one of the most brilliant things they've ever done and i think they could do that in destiny two with the infinite forest however there have been recent interviews that indicated bringing d1 content to d2 takes a while it's not the flip of a switch unfortunately they did make changes to the engine and that means everything needs to be sort of run through that filter and that is a uh, that's a challenge and the, the the frustration with that is is that you have a giant reservoir of wonderful content and wonderful loot that could come forward, get retooled with the with the with the random roles, the curated roles, and the mod components. Like, just picture for a moment Wrath of the Machine on PC, Genesis Chain, random roles, a curated role, a mod slot. Just think about that for a moment. Mm. Oh, that'd be so good. Now as we get really excited and we salivate about that, we also have to remember that that would appeal to a small portion of the community. Raiders Raiders don't represent the whole, and so a lot of the times I think we have to remember that that's another thing that's going to be a part of the equation. They're not going to put all that work and time into bringing those raids forward if the lion's share of the community is going to be like, I can't touch it. Scuzzbox. What's your opinion on making pinnacle or high tier weapons? Luna's not forgotten. Acquirable two different ways. Harder, shorter route or longer, easier grind. Um, I think there's room for weapons like the Luna's and the not forgotten that you can only obtain one way. I also think there's room for saying if you want to get this gun, it drops with random rolls and it's a pinnacle version and you can get it faster and your likelihood of getting the pinnacle version is increased if you do it the harder way. But I don't think when I say that, I'm agreeing with you that, oh, you should be able to get the 1K voices, the Lunas, or whatever by by other means or other routes. 1K voices needs a buff to its drop rate. I think Nightfall, I'm, th- I'm sorry, I think Raid Exotics need the Nightfall drop rate, the Escalation Protocol drop rate treatment. After so many Raid completions, your chances of getting a 1K or an Anarchy should go up. Just because that's kind of the point of running the content is that eventually you get the dope stuff. Nobody that faithfully ran the Last Wish raid should be sitting right now without a 1k voices. Oh, but that's the beauty of it. No, no. You reach a breaking point where the relevancy of the content goes way down. And then people are just annoyed because no one wants to run the raid anymore. And they're the one dumb, unlucky sod who didn't get it. So. Johnny. 
Lono, you've gone around a number of times about issues with Gambit. Have you played any of the other asymmetrical PvP games like Evolve or Divinity 2? Asymmetrical PvP is relatively new and seems difficult to balance industry-wide. Can we bring any ideas from those games? I don't know enough about those games to bring ideas from them, and Gambit is PvPVE, and you're defining as asymmetrical PvP, which is accurate. I believe Gambit is a PvP game mode in disguise, and I believe you can minimize the presence of PvP by retooling it with both differences in how invasion works and relics, so it doesn't feel like a PvP game mode in disguise, because that's what it feels like to me. Slaughter. Lono, given that D2 had issues with content not mattering once you hit max level, do you think there's room for a Call of Duty prestige type system that lets you reset your rank? Uh, If by doing so, it would grant you some sort of additional perk or power, or maybe even gear that is unique to choosing this option right like I think it would be cool to go to Zavala or somebody and say hey I want to chase um I want to chase the the glory's already used so we can't use glory which is unfortunate but let's just say we would call it the 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 guardians guardians prestige or something where you're well known and talked about that's what you're pursuing and you reset stuff and every time you reset stuff you can then rank it up again and at every rank maybe there's new cosmetic benefits ornaments for your guns your character shaders shaders things like that so if you get to the max level of prestige like you've reset your power five times or something I don't know all of a sudden you are walking around the tower and you have like wings coming off of you or something and people like that's like that's somebody that's you know reset their rank numerous times things like that i don't know if that's a front burner issue i would rather have difficulty spectrum added to the game as opposed to just resetting my my rank spartan master do you believe d1 content will come to pc within year three or four i know it's a lot of work but i would love to have d1 on pc the whole game of d1 coming to pc i think is unlikely now, unless they do something with the next game, like they call it Destiny Universe, and they launch kind of both games packaged together, and then there's a big springboard, and there's this big giant, you know, reset that you you know you kind of go through everything again, and then that's the springboard into Destiny Universe. Outside of that, I don't see them bringing Destiny One to PC. I would love it, but I think it's extremely unlikely. That's a ton of content. the 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 planets, the strikes the the raids all of that it would take a long 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 time um i don't uh i don't think that that's that's likely to have to, to happen anytime in the future so if you guys are here right now and you like this style of content please click the follow button that's the heart button i do a question and answer session after a talk i did my talk on this changes to titan skating macros and scroll wheel if you're listening to this on itunes google play or watching on youtube uh, you can always hit the like button share the video you can always come in live twitch.tv slash say no to rage and catch these live if i'm not live click the follow button so you don't miss out if you're here right now don't go anywhere because we got some more things planned some more talks and some more question and answer sessions so if you like this stick around but if you are listening to this or watching this in the other locations i greatly appreciate that please like share and subscribe